Welcome back to the Der Show. Since the last time we met, uh, Attorney General Garland has appointed Jack Smith to be special counsel, special prosecutor, independent counsel, different names, but to investigate <clears throat> Donald Trump. Um, I've never liked special counsel, special investigators, special prosecutors. I didn't like them when they investigated Bill Clinton, although it was a friend of mine uh, who was doing the investigation, a very decent man, uh, Ken Starr, who recently died. I didn't like any of the previous special prosecutors, not as individuals, but I didn't like the concept. Why don't I like the concept of a special prosecutor? Special prosecutors have a specific target. They're told to investigate a particular person. That's different than prosecutors in general. Prosecutors in general look at the whole world, and if they find crimes, they then investigate the person who committed the crimes, and they compare that to other cases, and they use prosecutorial discretion, and they come up with uh, priorities. But a special prosecutor has one target. That's the job of the special prosecutor. And therefore, the special prosecutor is less likely to engage in comparative assessments of other cases, comparable cases, uh, exercise prosecutorial discretion. They're, they're, they're entitled to, but because they have a target, a specific target, you know, to, to a hammer, everything's a nail. And to special prosecutors, the presumption is likely to be more of a presumption of guilt than a presumption of innocence. Now, this special prosecutor has a very good record. Uh, he has been very uniquely a state prosecutor, a federal prosecutor, many people are that, but also an international prosecutor. He worked for the great Luisa Campo, the first uh, prosecutor in the International Criminal Court in The Hague, and, and Smith worked for him and, um, uh, and, and, and did a very, very good job. And so there are complaints that he was in the Obama administration or that he may be a Democrat. That doesn't move me. Uh, I think Jack Smith as an individual, like Kenneth Starr as an individual, and many of the others who, who came before them and probably will come since, um, they're probably uh, going to do a fair, complete assessment. Um, one of the issues, of course, that a lot of my writers write to me about is if there's a special prosecutor against Donald Trump, why haven't they appointed a special prosecutor against uh, Hunter Biden? After all, there is a conflict of interest when the attorney general is investigating the son of the man who appointed him and can promote him. And, and forget about, for example, the attorney general, the head of the criminal division, uh, political appointees at the head of the Justice Department. These are people who might want to get judgeships. They might want to get higher positions. Um, and they may at least believe, consciously or unconsciously, that helping or hurting the incumbent president, the man who's going to make these appointments, could influence their, their future. And that obviously is not something that should happen. Special prosecutors uh, don't have that general um, uh, problem. In fact, usually being a special prosecutor is a, is, a, is a road to oblivion. Almost no special prosecutors have ever gone on to higher jobs. Ken Starr is a perfect example. He was sitting on the DC circuit and was regarded as 
uh, a number one choice to go on the Supreme Court. And he, I'm sure he's a smart guy. I'm sure he knew that when he accepted the job as special prosecutor, that it really probably ruined his chances of ever getting on the United States Supreme Court. But I knew Kennedy, he was a patriot, and he believed in what he was doing. I think he was wrong in many of the things he did in relation to Bill Clinton. And as you probably know, I was uh, a consultant advisor to Bill Clinton's legal team. and I gave legal advice to them, so maybe I'm not unbiased about Ken Starr. But um, you know, his star diminished in, in, in influence once he left the office. He was uh, bitterly hated by people on the Clinton uh, side and, and, you know, liked more or less by people on the other side. The same thing will happen uh, to Jack Smith. There's no winning for him. If he ends up indicting um, Donald Trump, uh, he will be mercilessly attacked as carrying the water for um, the nominee for president on the Democratic side against the nominee for president on the Republican side. So he'll be he'll be completely excoriated by 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 the right wing media ready there. They're starting to do that. Uh, and by uh, uh, politicians on the Republican side, um, if he um, if he acquits uh, or doesn't prosecute Donald Trump, he'll be attacked by people on the hard left and. Uh, even people in the center left, Democrats. So, you know, it's a no-win job. And um, I know people who've turned down uh, this job in the past and because um, they knew that there's no, there's no way of winning. Now, this is the most extreme case um, probably in American history because you have the Democratic attorney general um, making decisions involving the man who's going to run against his boss if he gets the nomination. Maybe, maybe he won't. And remember that there are so many people uh, on the Democrat side that are doing everything to stop Donald Trump from, from running. I have to tell you, if I were a, a Democratic leader, I would probably want Donald Trump to, to run because uh, Joe Biden beat him once and he very likely could beat him again. Um, uh, probably DeSantis would have a better chance of uh, of winning, but nonetheless, I, I don't think that bureaucrats should determine who we can vote for. As I've said before, I voted against Donald Trump twice, and I have a constitutional right to vote against him a third time, and no bureaucrat should stop me uh, by invoking the 14th Amendment that he led, uh, you know, a subversive incitement, things of, of that of that kind. That's not what the 14th Amendment was designed to do. It was very time specific. It was designed to make sure that people who uh, were leaders of the Confederacy could never again uh, run for um, uh, high office unless they were given special permission to do so. It, it did have nothing to do with cases like the current one where you had a terrible, terrible act of uh, breaching the Capitol. People who, who did it, who who, who committed serious crimes should be prosecuted again, full disclosure. I represent uh, a young man, a law school student, who went inside having been invited by the police and then left when he was told not to, didn't uh, damage anything, didn't hurt anybody, didn't do anything other than arguably uh, a trespass, though he claims, and the video seemed to confirm it, that he was invited in by police, which would negate any claim of, of, of trespass. But, you know, that's in some ways, 
beside the point. Uh, a president should not be disqualified or a former president from running for office because people don't like a speech he gave on, on January 6th. Um, you know, one other issue is up to now, um, Trump has not been feeded, uh, treated fairly by the um, administration of, of justice. Now, will the appointment of the special prosecutor make it fairer? Right now, it's been not only has there have been the reality of injustice, but certainly the appearance of injustice. Uh, look at the, the, the January 6th committee. It's a sham. Um, it's still technically in existence, I guess, until the House is taken over by the Republicans in January. But, uh, you know, it was a stacked deck. It was all either Republicans or two we hate Trump uh, Republicans. But there was nobody who was uh, there to dissent or uh, subpoena uh, witnesses who might have undercut the narrative uh, on the other side. So, you know, that investigation was completely skewed. I wish there had been a, a special prosecutor, even though I don't like him. Um, heading that investigation instead of a bunch of partisan Democrats who, whose goal it was um, to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't run again. So that was one investigation. The other one that was completely skewed was Letitia James. I like her as a person. She is the uh, attorney general of, of New York, and she ran on the campaign of getting Trump. <laughs> you can't be an objective prosecutor when you've made a campaign promise to get Trump. If she doesn't succeed in her campaign promise, it'll be used against her and she might not be reelected. That's not what a prosecutor ought to do. So uh, up to now, you know, it's, it's really been uh, a kangaroo investigation. And there is some possibility, perhaps, that the investigation by uh, special counsel will be better. It, it couldn't be worse. Um, and, 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 and so uh, let's keep an open mind. We'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about it on, on the show. Let's keep an open mind. Let's see. Now, the one thing that is clear is that this special counsel, who, as I say, has good credentials. Yeah, he may lean Democrat, uh, but he has good credentials, and I trust him as a person. He has to be Caesar's wife. You know the story about Caesar's wife. Caesar's wife has to be so uncorrupt that nobody will even doubt her. And I think uh, he does, too. He has to lean over backwards uh, to make sure he's not the January 6th committee, to make sure he's not Letitia James. And I think he's probably going to do that. He's probably going to call it uh, the way he sees it. And he really doesn't have a boss. Uh, his decision is independent. He doesn't work for, he gets paid by, but he doesn't work for the attorney general. And uh, he doesn't really have to report to the attorney general. He can make his own independent decisions. Now, as you probably know, there were challenges to the constitutionality of special counsel, a special prosecutor, because the job of prosecuting is with the administration. The attorney general is an appointee of the administration. The whole system is messed up. There should be two jobs instead of one. There should be a full-time, not special counsel, but a full-time chief of prosecution whose job it only is to decide who to prosecute federally. Then there should be a separate job called minister of justice or whatever you want to call it, who is the person who works closely with the president. Uh, 
and, and, and wants to see the president reelected. So there's no kind of schizophrenic division. Right now, the attorney general has two incompatible jobs. One job is to be a loyal member of the cabinet of Joe Biden and to try to help him get reelected. That's one job. And the second job, completely inconsistent, is to be an objective prosecutor who makes decisions without regard to the benefit or disadvantage of his boss, the attorney general. I mean, that's why a special prosecutor was appointed in this case, because I think Garland, who's a decent man, I know many of you don't think so, written to me, I think he's a decent man. I think he would have been a very good Supreme Court justice. Disagree with me, agree with me. Um, he was in a terrible position. And uh, as, as you know, even with Donald Trump, attorneys general and, and the president didn't get along because the president felt that the attorney general and the head of the FBI are part of his team and should work with him. And he had a point. That's what cabinet members do, whether you're the secretary of state, the secretary of defense, the secretary of commerce or the attorney general, you work for the president. The president can fire you at the snap of a finger. We know the first impeachment in American history was um, a President Johnson who was impeached precisely for firing uh, Stanton, the Secretary of, of, of War. And uh, the impeachment uh, conviction failed. And the Supreme Court years later ruled that um, Johnson was completely within his powers and within his authority. Just because the president confirms a nominee, just because the Senate confirms a nominee, that doesn't mean the president can't fire him at will. And, and so we know that a president can fire anybody. A president can fire a special prosecutor, too. Remember, Nixon did that with Archie Cox, my friend, a guy who I had lunch with many times um, uh, while I was professor at Harvard. He fired him. And um, that certainly led many, even in the Republican Party, to call for his impeachment. So no, President Biden is not going to fire uh, Smith, and neither will Garland fire Smith. And I don't know whether or not uh, he's going to recommend um, he's going to recommend uh, indicting the president. Again, I have to say it has to pass two tests. It has to pass the Hillary Clinton test. Is what he did so substantially worse than what Hillary Clinton was accused of that there won't be a double standard? And the second is the Richard Nixon test. Richard Nixon would never have been uh, threatened with impeachment were it not for the fact that Republicans, Republicans, people of his own party, wanted to see him removed from office. And they went to him and they said, unless you resign, you're going to be impeached and removed. And that's why he resigned. So my own view is that before a candidate for president on the opposing party can be indicted, he has to pass those two tests. I don't think the evidence is there at the moment to pass either of those two tests, but I'm not privy to all the evidence. The special prosecutor will be given all the evidence that's been accumulated up to now. Look, special prosecutors have targets, but so do ordinary prosecutors. Look what's going on in New York today. Read today's New York Times. This is a scary as heck story about how the district attorney of New York and the attorney general of New York 
are all trying to get Trump. Again, I'm not a Trump supporter. Let's be very clear about that. If he committed crimes and if they're serious crimes and if others in a similar situation were prosecuted, he should be prosecuted. But they are searching through every possible crime to find the crime against them. Again, no analogies to Stalin's, uh, the Soviet Union, but it's informative to remember that that's how Stalin and Lavrenti Beria, the head of the KGB, conducted their business. Uh, Lavrenti Beria, the head of the notorious KGB, said, Stalin, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. And what's going on in New York, according to this New York Times story today, is they've shown him the man. The man's Trump. Um, and uh, they're trying to find the crime and they're having a hard time. They actually got outside consultants to see whether or not you could make a crime out of the hush money that was paid to the woman, the stripper who claimed to have an affair. Uh, and they decided, no, really, that stretches the law too far. But the whole enterprise, the whole enterprise of targeting an individual and then searching, going through the law, you know, I can see it with Al Capone. In Al Capone's case, he was, you know, murdering people. And, and they decided, look, we're going to search for a law that will allow us to prosecute him. And they found income tax violation. That should not be the approach to a potential presidential uh, candidate. Uh, the crime should be obvious and evident, and there should be a smoking gun. I don't see it. I don't see it. And so I suspect uh, I will be back with more about the uh, special prosecutor, special counsel, and I suspect much of it will be, will be critical. I don't like special counsel, never have, never will. Uh, it may be better than the alternative, but uh, it certainly raises some of the most fundamental questions of, of due process and uh, equal justice under the rule of law. All right, let's look at some letters. Some of the letters anticipated this, um, interestingly enough. Um, so one of them says, Professor, one of the rules governing who can be named special counsel is that they cannot be connected to the Department of Justice. Jack Smith was until 2015, but that's seven years ago. Uh, he is also a Democrat. Well, everybody's either a Democrat or a Republican, pretty much, and served in a Democratic administration. Is he suitable to be the special prosecutor? And can his nomination by Garland be challenged in court? I think the same thing could have been said for Ken Starr. He was a Republican, and um, he worked uh, in the Justice Department. Uh, he was the Solicitor General of the United States for a Republican administration. And I think the people who are now complaining about Jack Smith I don't remember them complaining about the appointment of Ken Starr, but uh, uh, he is technically uh, qualified and, and Garland was within his right to, to appoint him. Okay. Dersh, is this Biden Act impeachable? Referring to the act of, by executive fiat undoing the debts that students had compiled within certain uh, limits. When Biden signed the executive order before the 2022 election, conning millions of American voters into thinking they were going to get $10,000 in their government student loan forgiveness, I did not hear much blowback from Republicans when they were campaigning before the election. Well, to answer your question, the direct question is no, it's not. It's not impeachable. It might be something that will cause you to vote against him. 
I think that um, Biden was probably told by his advisors that he had the power to do that. I said from day one he didn't have the power to do that. Uh, just like uh, Biden does not have the power to get back into the deal, the nuclear deal with Iran. He has to do it through uh, the Senate, two thirds of the Senate, because it's a it's a treaty. And I do think as well that the um, uh, payback of the loans required legislation, but it's not an impeachable offense. An impeachable offense is not what you want it to be. It's not the president acting improperly. It's treason, bribery, or other other high crimes and misdemeanors. I have to tell you, if Biden were to be impeached for that, then everybody would be quoting, all the Democrats would be quoting my arguments, the ones I made uh, in the Senate against the impeachment of Donald Trump. Because the vast majority of people who criticize me, particularly academics, were a bunch of hypocritical phonies. Uh, they only criticized the argument because it was being made for Donald Trump. They, many of them would have agreed with the argument had it been made for Hillary Clinton. I originally wrote my book about that, tried to write my book. And if it were to be made in the future against, um, against uh, Joe Biden, now that the House is in the hands of Republicans, it's conceivable they may try to impeach him. They're not going to get a conviction, obviously, with the Senate in the hands of uh, Democrats. And also you need two thirds, so they're not going to get it. So, um, um, but um, look, the national motto should not be pluribus unum, it should be hypocrisy prevails on both sides, on all sides. And it's, it's really distressing when you see that. Professor, if former President Trump ends up getting indicted for removing documents from the White House, which would be his defense? Um, and he'd have a lot of, of defenses. Um, one defense, and he's laid it out already, is that he declassified. He'd have to demonstrate that. The government would have to prove he didn't. The burden of proof would be on them. Uh, second, it would be that there's no real legal protocol for what you can take out of the White House. It would be a very weak case. And, um, you know, if it were brought in the District of Columbia, where 90-whatever percent voted against him, maybe they conceivably could get a conviction. But I just don't think it's the kind of case you should ever bring um, against a man who's running for president against uh, the boss. Um, professor, a former colleague of yours, uh, Charles Nesson, Charlie Nesson, friend of mine, once said you were more of a street fire than a traditional academic. Do you see any truth in that? And did Nesson criticize you when you defended Donald Trump? Uh, yeah, I'm a street fighter, but I'm also an academic. I've written 51 books. Um, I've gotten all kinds of prizes, awards, uh, a Guggenheim Fellowship, a fellowship by the uh, Center for Advanced Study of Behavioral Sciences. Uh, I've gotten the Dean's Prize for my scholarship. Uh, so no, I am an academic. I'm a serious academic. Of my 51 books, I would say half of them are serious academic books about the history of the Fifth Amendment, about terrorism, and about half of them are more polemical books, the case for Israel, um, uh, issues like that. So uh, I, I'm very proud of the fact that I am both a street fighter and a serious academic. I don't know what Charlie's views were about defending Trump, but I think he would understand that that's what lawyers do. Lawyers defend the Constitution, whether you like uh, the, the defendant or don't like the defendant. But Charlie can speak for himself. Didn't Dirsch once debate Meyer Kahana? 
I did. Remember Maya Kahana? He was the extreme radical rabbi from New York, went to the same high school I went to, Yeshiva University High School, captain of the debate team. I was captain of the debate team four years later. Um, I did uh, a debate him. We were on opposite sides um, politically about Israel. Not only did I debate him, I represented him. Um, I was his lawyer. I spoke to him. Mark Kahana was assassinated on a Monday night. I spoke to him on the Thursday night before the Monday night that he was assassinated because he was denied permission to speak at Brandeis, and I got him permission to speak at Brandeis. So, you know, we were contentious opponents. Um, he um, probably admired my legal skills, and I admired his intelligence and his ability to ask hard questions, but I didn't like his answers. And so the question is, didn't Dersh once debate Kahana? Will be interesting what he says about the new government about to take power in Israel, which is basically a bunch of Kahanists. Totally, categorically, dead wrong. There is one person in the government, a guy named Ben Gavir. Uh, we don't know what position he'll get, um, but he is one of many in the government who once, once, admired uh, uh, Kahana and did a terrible thing. He put up a picture of Baruch Goldstein, the man who murdered uh, Palestinians at prayer in a mosque. Uh, that was terrible. And he's one person. Um, there are people in the American administration who have done things. He doesn't speak for the administration. Um, um, Bibi Netanyahu, I can still call him Bibi because he's not yet prime minister. He will be maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I've known him, as you know, since he's 22 or 23 years old. Netanyahu has already announced that whatever the government is comprised of, and I assure you that if, if Bibi could get his way, he would not include uh, Ben Gavir or the other person who is an extremist, but he may have to uh, include them. Um, uh, but he's already made a statement that uh, the policies uh, would not change, the policies toward gay people, the policies toward religion, the policies toward the West Bank, would remain essentially the same. A government is comprised of many, many, many people, and uh, Israel is a democracy. And um, if it's a democracy, people get to vote, and people voted this time uh, about 49 to 49 percent. 49 percent for uh, Netanyahu, 49 percent against him, but the way the Israeli system works, Netanyahu managed, it's like the Electoral College in some ways, managed to get 64 seats and it's a 120 person parliament. So he has a, a bigger majority than the Democrats have in the Senate. Um, and so, uh, no, I don't think the uh, new administration in Israel is going to be a bunch of economists, uh, although it may have one person who previously uh, showed support for Kahana. Okay, let's see what other questions we have. Good questions today. Um, your opinion on how voting should be is spot on. You remember what I said. I thought that we ought to go back to the tradition that I loved, uh, both as a kid and as a father. Um, you know, bringing your kids to the public school near you, um, standing online with friends and neighbors and voting in person. And if they let you bring in your kid into the voting booth and maybe even, although you're not supposed to let him punch the hole uh, to give him a sense of uh, participating in, in government. 
that's the way it should be. I don't like um, routine absentee or early voting. I surely like absentee voting for anybody who's not able to come to the polls, the disabled person or a person who was in the army or people like that, uh, or people who have to be out of town uh, on important business. But that shouldn't be the rule. That should be the exception. Today, the rule is quickly becoming uh, absentee voting. And what I worry about with absentee voting, I always tell the story. Um, uh, if it's absentee voting, my wife sees who I vote for. And believe me, I don't want to offend her. So I'm going to vote for who she wants me to vote for. Okay, that's more of a joke. But if you're in an old age home and you have a caretaker and you know, will that person really influence your voting? On the other hand, if you have to vote in person, no, you're alone in the booth and nobody sees who you're voting for. So I do uh, much prefer a voting in person. Um, and there are challenges. I'm involved in some of those uh, challenges. Uh, voting machines, that's a real problem. Uh, the voting machine companies refuse to allow their algorithms to be investigated by objective scholars. They say, oh, trust us, trust us. And they also say, we're not the government. We're a private company and we're entitled to our secrets. No, no, no. You are the government. If you have a contract with the government to count votes, you are the government. You have no right of privacy, no right of secrecy. The only right you has is, have is the right of transparent honesty and therefore the algorithms of voting machines, again, I'm involved in one such case, ought to be made public so that they can be investigated by everybody. Well, I'm in Israel. Um, you'll see the different background. I was in Tel Aviv uh, today all day, um, having a great meal, eating the great uh, Tel Aviv ice cream and meeting with people and really having a, a, a wonderful, wonderful time. And I'll be uh, broadcasting from Israel for a while. And when I meet some of the people in the government, I'll include those um, um, uh, interviews or at least descriptions of them in the Der Show. So come back and listen and watch.